Halt, you are under arrest. Please put down your weapon. You must subscribe to Haven't Seen It on Apple or Spotify and leave them five stars and follow them on social media at Seen It Pod. Robocop, coming up next. Haven't Seen It with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today that person is Tommy. Tommy, this feels like such a movie that would be in your wheelhouse, like one that you watched at 10 years old and just put on a mantle and rewatch two times a year on a Sunday afternoon hung over on the couch. Like, I'm just I'm, I'm frankly surprised that, that it took you this long to watch Robocop. Yeah, uh, so somehow I never really watched RoboCop all the way through. Uh, Years ago, my friend um, and I, we tried watching the first half, and we kind of were half watching, to be honest. So like we kind of just turned it off after a little bit um, because we weren't really paying attention or whatever. Let's do something else. But um, I went to, I want to shout the Strand in uh, Seymour, Connecticut. They did a double screening of all Verhoeven movies uh, about a week ago, and it was uh, RoboCop was one of them. And the other one was Starship Troopers. And it was amazing seeing both Verhoeven movies. Verhoeven's become one of my favorite directors. Like, we covered Basic Instinct earlier this year. And I've never seen a Verhoeven movie before that. And now I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's amazing. I've seen all of his movies practically. Um, well, a lot of his American movies, like RoboCop, uh, Total Recall now, uh, Starship Troopers, Hollow Man even. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy. Like, how have I never discovered this guy before? This guy speaks my language. <laughs> yeah. We're we are officially a Paul Verhoeven podcast without yeah. question or a doubt. So, like, how was the screening? Like, good, like good quality, good print of the film that you're able to watch. Great print of the film, movies, especially if RoboCop. Um, I was telling you last time when we were rewatching it, um, how when RoboCop spoke or when RoboCop was stepping in the theater, you could just hear the theater like shake and boom. It was just what you really need for that movie to make me even more immersed and be like, oh my god, how have I never seen this before? <laughs> And was there uh, anything that any pre rolls of the movie? <laughs> yeah, so uh, so the pre rolls were cool. Like they showed like trailers for like Basic Instinct and like other Verhoeven movies. It's cool seeing those little trailers. But uh, there's one particular that was a fan film um, of RoboCop that took place in the scene where RoboCop shoots the guy in the dick, and uh, it goes over and over and over again. Gets over the top to the point where it's like just dicks exploding because RoboCop shooting them. And I tried showing this to our friend group. Um, last night uh, timmy and, and our other friend and it bombed <laughs> well t- tommy built it up being like this is the funniest thing you'll ever see in your life <laughs> this is the greatest thing and he's like trying to find it on youtube and and it's just it, it took him like eight minutes because what we had logged in on the fire stick didn't have a youtube account logged into it yeah so because it was nc17 because it's literally seeing a dick get blown off in repetition (laughs) it took tommy like 15 minutes to actually get this clip up and running and like there we were saying there is like a length of clip like if you if you don't have that if you're saying oh dude you got to watch this clip you got to have that in 30 seconds to a minute because then it just builds like the fact that you're just taking this long to pull up a clip and tommy took 15 minutes and by the 15 minute point we were just like 
no, we're good, man. We're 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 good. <laughs> Immediately, I was thinking like, oh god, like because it was taking so long, and I started realizing like as more time was passing, I was like, both of these guys are gonna fucking not like this. <laughs> it's not gonna play well. But at that point, it was like already like ten minutes in, and I'm like, I can't quit now and not show it. I have to like stick to my guns and show it. And we and maybe got through what like a minute of the clip at most. <laughs> well, when the first penis appeared, we were like. Why are you showing us this? Tommy, turn this off. <laughs> Tommy, what you do in your personal time is your business. We do not need to watch it whatsoever. My my, my RoboCop fan fiction. Your RoboCop fan fiction. After a week of watching it, you're like deep in the RoboCop fanfic community. <laughs> yeah. So what are you going to do? So uh, I like RoboCop shooting dicks, I guess. <laughs> hey, different strokes for different folks. Anyway... This is RoboCop. He died a hero. Target! And was reborn as RoboCop. A one-man police force with the strength of an army, the speed of a laser, the brain of a computer, and a body made of steel. Looking for me? RoboCop. Starts Friday, July 17th at a theater near you. RoboCop is a 2014 American superhero film directed by Jose Padilla and writer Josh Zefferman, Edward Niermeyer, and Michael Miner. The film stars Joel Kinnaman as the title character, Gary Oldman, Michael Keaton, Samuel L. Jack. Wait, I think I have the wrong RoboCop pulled, pulled up here. <laughs> Can you imagine our audience reaction if they realize that we're covering the remake and not the original? They're like, "Oh God, what, where'd you go?" <laughs> you just turn, you just turn that one straight off. It, I we've, I think we've mentioned it before, but it's like, why are you remaking movies that don't need a, a remake? Like remake movies that had this, like they were okay mm -hmm. and a little bit of like a cult following. Remake a movie that needs something to be remade about. There's nothing to change in RoboCop. It's it's literally just it works just as well today. I mean, you literally could have you could have just literally just did a, yeah it, even better. I mean, it, literally you could have just released RoboCop the original one in theaters back in 2014 uh, instead of just the remake, and people would have been totally fine with it. And the remake apparently is bland. It's like PG 13, not as violent, um, not as satirical, more like kind of generic like action and stuff like that. So, I mean, you hear the title RoboCop, and for me, for someone who's never really seen this movie. I always just kind of assumed it was kind of just like a schlocky action movie that like, ah, it was okay, but it was kind of just a B-movie thing. And like, yeah, it's kind of a little shitty, you know? Listen, Paul Verhoeven is not an American filmmaker and he's an Amer. he comes over, this is the first movie he makes in America. Mm -hmm. And it's like the outsider's perspective of what an American action schlock movie would be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, because the violence is over the top. The satire is just still 40 years later, like on the nose. Like, mm -hmm. this is one of the great satires ever made. And yet, it has a lot of heart and it has like a character journey for Robocop, which seems ridiculous because it's a cyborg robot. Um, even Verhoeven, um, like, barely came into the movie himself. He turned it down initially. <laughs> really? Um, he uh, was. He was fresh off his first English film, uh, Flesh and Blood. He was offered the script and he threw it away after reading it the first few pages. I think it was a dumb action movie. Um, and then his wife, Mar uh, Martine, read it all the way through and was like, no, Paul, 
this story is layered with many satirical and allegorical elements. And so you should direct this movie. And that's what led him to direct the movie. So it's kind of crazy. Even like people at the time were just like so many directors like David Cronenberg and Alex Cox were off in this movie. And they all turned it down because they thought like, oh, this is kind of shit or whatever. Um, the title seems to no. Can you imagine Cronenberg's version of RoboCop? It would just, it would have been an X-rated movie. He would have just, <laughs> the blood and guts in that movie would have just been out of this world. Ro- RoboCop would have looked like some like deformed monster, even more so than he does in the movie right now or something, like some Cronenberg monster shit. Be like, oh, God. <laughs> Also, I feel like this, it's good to point out that this was still like one of the high eras of B schlock movies. Like, I mean, it still exists today. They're just all on streaming platforms. But if you look up like crappy 80s action movies with the word cop in the title, you can pretty much use any synonym. We would highly recommend Samurai Cop. We watched that on a bad movie night. And oh boy, that movie's pretty bad, but quite entertaining to watch. I must I must say. You could have easily seen like Robocop being in that type of vein of movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you gave this movie to, and it's an Orion film, which does not help its case because Orion's quality is either so hit or so miss. Yeah. <laughs> like they have some of the great movies of the 80s, but man, they put out a lot of schlocky crap. And like this one, in this movie in the wrong hands would have been a disaster. Like, just a, a total clusterfuck of a movie. Well, it's like the sequels uh, ended up... I mean, I, I haven't seen the sequels yet, uh, but from what I've understood, uh, the sequels pretty much make it more of a schlocky movie than um, this one is. They kind of like, remove, like, the subtlety and the wit and the satire of it all and kind of just make it more generic action. Here's RoboCop going to kill more criminals. And it's just like, okay, cool, if you're 10 years old, that's fine or whatever. But, like, you know, we want a little more of a RoboCop here. <laughs> yeah, and... I, I think with like because Irvin Kirshner directed the second Robocop, which is funny yeah. because he's directed he directed, in my opinion, one of the greatest films of all time, The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. That probably to me with somebody of, with that on his resume leads me to believe that it's probably more of a script issue where the script just lacked any soul to it. But, you know, the crux of Robocop is a cop named Murphy gets transferred to Detroit's worst division. And he dies on the job since this company OCP owns all of the Detroit police force. Now, it is in his contract that if you are legally dead, you can be put into this RoboCop program. And I think a lot of the satire comes in when it's the business is like, this is a product, you know, like RoboCop is a product. He's not a cop. He's a product. And just like the cynicism, it's a great like eight to ten minute scenes of the introduction and the building of robocop where you just see the lifelessness of these of these business executives it's very poignant and and on the nose let me see bring in the led he's on what's the story we were able to save the left arm what I thought we agreed on total body prosthesis. Now lose the arm, okay? Jesus, Morton. Can, can you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. We're going to blank his memory anyway. Well, I think we should lose the arm. What, what do you think, Johnson? Well, he signed the release forms when he joined the force. He's legally dead. We can do pretty much what we want to. Lose the arm. Shut him down. Prep him for surgery. <laughs> 
The entire outer skin will be like this. It's titanium, laminated with Kevlar. Go ahead. Shake his hand. Come here, Arthur. Oh! God! It's got a hell of a grip. It's 400 foot-pounds. He could crush every bone in your hand. All right, attach it to his shoulder. I like that. You are gonna be a bad motherfucker. Man, Miguel Ferrer, he just puts on a, a clinic in this movie. Uh... He's probably best known for his role as Albert in Twin Peaks. He plays the smug, smarmy, better than you douchebag. Yeah. Better so uh, in, than in that anyone. clip right there. Yeah. He's just so, so great. It's just like a cocky asshole. He's the guy in that clip right there that was saying, like, I'll like, remove the arm. Like, we don't need the arm right there. And it just shows, like, how much these people don't even view. Like, they're taking a corpse pretty much and just fucking messing with it right there. That's what's going on. They're desecrating the corpse. Yeah. And they just say, oh, whatever, this is all about profit. Fine, like make him make him the superhero. You make him the super cop right here. <laughs> it should be known, like the opportunity for Robocop program to even exist. Uh Dick Jones, who is the main and I guess one of the main antagonists of the movie, is the head of this division at OCP. He brings in the security uh droid and is like, look at the protocol of it. And the guy has the gun in his hand, one of the business executives. And he throws the gun down. You have 20 seconds to comply. And then it, the, the thing just goes like 10, 9, 8. And it just destroys his body. And literally mm -hmm. nobody in there cares that this guy just died. Like there's no like emotion. Everybody's just like, oh my God, holy shit, holy shit. And of course, Bob Morton, Miguel Ferrer goes up to the old man, the head of the company going like, actually, we have an initiative that we can roll out in 90 days because they're trying to build some new mega city over the old detroit it's very on the nose it's very it's it feels like a very good insight into how corporate yeah. america actually functions when you're in that executive level and they this the corporate speak is on the nose like if you've ever worked for a big corporation before like i've had like the way they talk the way they like the way they get around of what they're actually doing to try to present it as something more than it actually is so on the nose onto how like corporate pr is is written it works perfectly just in the sense of just like okay like what are we gonna do here like we need to move this or they immediately go from a guy getting shot up and the way verhoeven films the violence of this movie it gets he lingers on it so much to the point that it should be horrifying but it's it's hilarious almost it's just so over the top or just like this guy's just getting riddled with bullets right here and immediately you just how they're like immediately okay let's go on to the next project then that didn't work whatever this guy's dead you hear like one woman crying in the distance at most, and that's about it. <laughs> and how emotionless and how much they just don't care. They're like all about profits. <laughs> yeah, it's all about profit. And it's all about making sure that this the city is is going to be built. And it's like the, the city itself being built isn't really the point of the movie. It's just like a driving plot point, which I like. It's not focused on a ton. But I think also like when you're in those sequences of the OCP headquarters, you can see Verhoeven flex his muscles as a director where you didn't have to put these like little transitions in, but you see them take the elevator and it's got this great matte painting of the elevator going up and down on it, right? Like Verhoeven mm -hmm. inserts these little gems, these little transitional sequences in what would just traditionally be your schlocky, campy, action movie 
to elevate it a little bit, to be more than just another cop movie that's going to barely make its budget back and rot on VHS shelves for the next two decades and then get forgotten about. And and it does that great transition into Murphy spinning the pistol. That's how his partner, Anne Lewis, played by Nancy Allen, who looks so much like Maggie Gyllenhaal. You were saying that repeatedly last time when we were watching it. Disturbing how much they looked identical. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, Maggie Gyllenhaal wasn't of age to do this in 1987. She was like 25 in 2008. Yeah, it's like not, it's not even just like the haircut. The haircut's kind of Maggie Gyllenhaal. But like you were saying, like it's like the face, like yeah, that, everything about her. The, the, the way the cheeks and like the, the jawline kind of connect and the eyes, it, it, they looked very, very similar when they were young actresses yeah. you know that that's how she realizes when murphy becomes robocop it's the way he spins the pistol that that that's the corpse of murphy that they're using there so i i do i do have a question about murphy in general because this is one of the main themes of this movie right here how much of murphy do you think is left um like humanity wise uh after he becomes robocop because there's two different ways to think about it. there's either none of it is left of uh he's no longer murphy's never gonna be murphy again and it's just a robot thinking that he's Murphy or there's still a little bit of humanity left in there. So which one do you think? I think there's a little bit of humanity left in there in a movie that's as satirical as this one. I'd buy that for a dollar. Which is one of the great, we, we were quoting that all after that movie. It's one of the little TV segments that you'll see. And it's just these busty blonde bimbos being like, Oh yeah. We'll lie down with you, and he goes, "I'd buy that buy for that. a dollar." And it's so funny. That's gonna be like the drinking game thing. Like that has to be the thing. If you're playing a drinking game for RoboCop, you have to finish your drink every time you hear that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh it's not on the movie clip soundboard. Let's just say that it could sometimes make a little appearance. I think that there's honestly, I think that's a machine thinking that he's Murphy right there. I think that Murphy died that day when. Um, you know, Kurtwood Smith and all the, his gang just they shot the living hell out of him right there. Because apparently even the script in the end of the movie, which I think sums up the movie perfectly when he says, what's your name? Murphy. The script says, Robocop says Murphy, not Murphy says Murphy. Well, at that point, it's he is Robocop. I like to think that, that you want to thread a little optimism into there. And that Robocop discovering his humanity, like there's that great flashback sequence when he he asks about his family and he goes to his old house and he sees like all the nice like moments, like the picture that he took with his family on Halloween. And they even did a good flashback before where the wife, like when Murphy was still alive, the wife's like, I have to tell you something. And when he walks into the bedroom, it's like, I have to tell you something. And it said kind of seriously. And she's just like, I love you so much. And it's like heartbreaking, you know, that the, that he's still alive. Like he, he just shouldn't, be alive it's a very frankenstein uh very comparison um and oh, yeah. that scene right there apparently was almost cut out of the movie and it, thank god it wasn't because it really takes it past just like the typical schlocky thing where this movie's really thinking about what is it like to be a robocop like what's the humanity left him if by that scene right there you you just have a character just come to terms with the fact of all the messed up things that happened to him uh a worse movie or, or apparently like the sequels wouldn't even touch upon that so they just go straight to he's a robocop he's a super cop He's killing criminals because he's a super cop. I think that's where I think there's a little humanity left in there. Maybe 5-10%. Maybe the last year of his life. Not much more than that. 
it's because he you get the flashback sequences and you see the glimpses of his life and it's it doesn't take long this movie is a nice brisk pace what is it an hour 45 if that and i think that's the humanity that is what this movie needs because if it was just a cyborg that starts to think it's a human then that's a bad programming error whereas you know they don't dive deep into the science of how they connect the brain to the program to make them doesn't matter right robocop appears i think the fact that there's a brain left and they were able to put some kind of life back into that brain to function makes him 80 percent robocop 20 percent murphy rather than like just 100 percent robocop that is being told he's murphy so he starts to think that he's murphy because that's just not the way his programming would be would function there, there's some views that like uh, Robocop's personality is like a new construct informed by partially fragments of Murphy's own personality. Uh, but really, Murphy at the end of the day is like a man between life or death. And uh, Verhoeven, when making this movie, really looked at uh, Robocop as kind of like the American Jesus. There's a lot of uh, you know Christian allegories within this movie and throughout the script right there. And even at one point... Dies and rise again. Yeah, dies and rise again. He even walks on water at one point when he's Robocop. So it's very clearly this deep within this movie right there where and they they honestly could have just taken that out and just been like we're always saying like the schlocky movie it should, could have been <laughs> you know with robocop himself because he only get murphy in the movie for 20 minutes like he's dead at the 15 20 minute mark which is just great pacing by the way you just get a little bit enough of him to understand that he's a family man that was transferred to a new department that's literally hell when robocop's finally unveiled unveiled to the department the way that they just kind of subtly hint at him like when he finally walks out of like the the seat that he was constructed in on the computer monitor you just see a glimpse of his face for like a two frames or so then he's walking through the police department and you hear those great footsteps that that sound design is just perfect the yeah especially on the big screen because literally like it was just rumbling Rob Bottin did the special effects for it. Uh, this is, what, the second or third movie we've covered of his. He did the special effects for The Thing and, and a lot of other big popular movies. And he had the inspiration for that scene. He told Verhoeven about that. We should try and like tease uh, Robocop's introduction because originally it was just going to be, you see Robocop immediately. And Verhoeven loved the movie because it's kind of like how they introduce characters in your typical like spaghetti western or something. Like, you know, the western hero entrance. What? It's more of like a horror movie it's more of like the the monster like i I think a jaws too like the less you see of him at first the better the the tension comes from not exactly knowing what he looks like i mean obviously that's a ruin because you probably saw the movie poster before you saw the movie but outside out taking the marketing outside of that and just looking at the film from the start to finish that's like the correct way to introduce it because it's just it builds suspense as to what he actually looks like what he sounds like, how he functions, how he converses with humans. I think we're both in agreement that this is pretty much a flawless film. I'd say the only dink on it is that there isn't really any tension that RoboCop will ever die. I think I think at some points, I mean, like uh, with the cop shootout where like, all the cops are shooting him right after he fights a giant missile launcher robot or whatever. I think that's the only situation where you have right there where um, he's just getting rid of the bullets and he really needs just a moment to live. But I mean, like, Kurtwood Smith, who is amazing in his role, but he I don't think he ever really poses a threat to Robocop himself. Robocop really just throws him around and stuff like that and just throws him through glass. Uh, 
there's a funny story about that where um, producers were scared that cops would hate that scene where he's reading uh, Kurtwood Smith his rights and like his Miranda rights and throwing him through glass. So, so they did a preliminary screen to, to um, an audience of cops. And they're shocked to find out that the cops love that part of the movie. They're like, fuck yeah, RoboCop's doing what we can't do. <laughs> Speaking of that clip. Clarence Bodiger, <laughs> you are under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. <laughs> fuck you. Ah! No! Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute! I'm protected, man. I've got protection! You have the right to an attorney? What is this shit? God damn it! God damn it! Listen to me! Listen to me, you fuck! There's another guy! He's a he's OCP, he's the senior president! Anything you say may be used against you. It's dead! I work for Dick Jones! Dick Jones! He's the number two guy at OCP! OCP runs the cops! You're a cop! We haven't really touched on Kirkwood Smith as Clarence Boddicker, who is the... He's basically the heavy in this movie, if we want to compare it to a Western. He's like the main main henchman, like, yeah, like the main bad guy. Or the, the main bad guys, like, right-hand man right there. Um, Kurtwood Smith, I mean, I'm shocked that he hasn't had more roles uh, as, like, the villain in, like, 80s movies or 90s movies. Because he is just, like, the perfect, like, over-the-top villain right here, but in all the right ways, where his character is so maniacal, so just, like, chewing all the scenery he possibly can. Like, I love that one scene with Dick Jones right after this where he goes in and he's like, hey, Dickie boy, what's going on? Uh, how you doing there? And stuff like that. He's just... He just has so many great one-liners, like when he says, like, bitches leave. <laughs> we, we find out he works for Dick Jones when he kills Bob Morton in, like, the scene or the scene or two before this. Uh, Morton is partying with these two models, doing drugs and all that stuff. And it's about, he's about to have the time of his life when Kurtwood Smith just shows up at the door and goes, bitches leave. Like, just with through, so do you think you're, he's going to call me again? Like, as, as they're walking out the, the house. It's very funny because the clip we played of Kurtwood Smith, I think it shows the true nature of criminals. And I think the true nature of criminals really comes out in this movie as well. No matter if you run as a gang or not, being a criminal is strictly an independent business for your wealth. Like Kurtwood Smith sells out Dick Jones on the drop of a hat. Yeah, like immediately. Like he has just immediately just trying to, he's out there for his own skin. <laughs> and like one of the henchmen, the one that is driving the van at the end and he gets hit into the acid tank and he becomes like this disformed, like rat looking. He looks like <laughs> Wormtail in Harry Potter. Oh, I fucking loved it. <laughs> and he runs into Ray Wise's character being like, help me, help me. And he's just like, get, get, the, get away from me. Like, And the scene before that, when they're shooting up the town, the cops are on strike. They're all buddying around. They're best pals. They're just... They're having the time of their life together. Like, it just shows how, like, like that. Like, they're not really friends. They're friends yeah. because they roll together in this thing. But it just shows, like, the true nature of a criminal is inherently independent. And they will cut you at the drop of a hat to save their own skin. 
it is funny with the gang because like you never really expect them to be like hanging out outside when they're doing their like gang related activities like you couldn't see kirkwood smith hanging out ray wise or something like that like or um even the guy the acid guy like they're clearly just not friends or just business partners co-workers essentially <laughs> there was enough into kirkwood smith where you realize like oh he was he's actually a sharp businessman but his business is drugs prostitution you know the the, the seedy stuff and Dick Jones realizes that if he's going to put a construction company, two million employed to build this new city, that you're going to have two million workers living in trailers or whatever that are going to want drugs, they're going to want prostitutes, they're going to want to gamble, right? Like, he's the man to fill it to them. You said Kurtwood Smith, he probably was underrepresented as a villain in the 80s and 90s, but he was a great villain in Dead Poets Society. Still haven't seen that one, so uh, that, that's, that might be a future. <laughs> yeah, this this is basically what happens on the pod when we're thinking of movies, where it's just like, okay, what should we cover next? I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this, and like Timmy just like immediately like I can hear the groan over the text, where it's like, how the fuck have you seen this? <laughs> the Godfather was the big one, and it still remains the, yeah. the big one. Like, <laughs> still how, remains the big how one. How have you just? How did you just not? I think at a certain point at the Godfather, it almost became like a troll thing, where I'm like, uh. No, I'm not gonna watch The Godfather. Oh, God, no, <laughs> just just to piss off people. I don't think it comes through enough on the podcast, but one of Tommy's like great joys in life is just trolling people straight up, <laughs> without question. He <laughs> he loves he loves it. He revels in it. Well, yeah, I remember like uh, when I would ask like uh, sometimes I'd ask like a group chat like, "Hey, like what movie should I watch?" I'm kind of bored, and then one of our friends would always just The Godfather, and I was like, "I don't know if I'm committed to like a three hour movie." <laughs> Listen, the, to, Tommy being a troll doesn't come through enough on the podcast. Maybe you, maybe you let it rip a little bit more, Tommy. You know? Yeah, yeah. I need to let that bite out a little bit more. Um, so we we talked a lot about RoboCop himself, but we haven't really talked about the actor behind him, uh, Peter Weller. I think Peter Weller is great in this role. Um, I mean, he shows enough humanity in the beginning of the movie where we actually care about Murphy himself. And apparently, other people up for the part were Schwarzenegger, which would have just been like a reach out of Terminator, probably would have just been compared yeah. to like the other robot movie Schwarzenegger's in. Um, Michael Ironside, he probably would have been fine. Rucker Howard and Tom Berenger were all considered. A lot of them turned it down because uh, their face would be covered for the majority of the movie by the helmet. And Peter Weller was cheaper. And Paul Verhoeven said he casted uh, Weller because his chin was very good. <laughs> you do need the good, the strong chin yeah. to play Robocop. <laughs> And I, you know, I think there's something to be said because I, I don't, I don't even know if I've seen Peter Weller in another movie, or can I think of another movie that he's like the titular character in? That's he's not been a, like a character actor. I think, I think a lot of time these movies benefit from not having like Arnold Schwarzenegger just like breaks the movie. Putting Arnold in a robot costume with just his chin showing, like you're basically not utilizing Arnold correctly. And we've also seen Arnold as a family man in the 90s, and it's probably for the best that they didn't try to emphasize that heart. Like, although it would be, it would have been hilarious just hearing him be like, no, in his like Arnold voice. In Commando, which was like around the same time he was a family man, um, that was the whole thing. His daughter got kidnapped. But even then, like Schwarzenegger wasn't really that great of an actor at the point. And um, he, I mean, we know that he would have played a good robot, but. Literally, we didn't need to see Schwarzenegger playing robot over and over and over again. But uh, Schwarzenegger turned it down. That's why he ended up in Total Recall, because he really regretted turned down RoboCop, and he loved this movie. So um, I want to work with Verhoeven again. But 
Peter Weller, I mean, he plays it like great. I mean, as Robocop, the voice, I mean, granted, you know, I can't imagine it's that hard to act as a robot, but he went through a grueling process with this movie. Apparently, in the beginning of the movie, the suit was so hot that he was losing three pounds a day just uh, from filming because it was just like bulky and heavy as hell. And he was just pissed off. So I had to install an air conditioner unit into the suit. So like he wanted to like have a heat truck or something. Suit. Sign me up for that weight loss program. <laughs> you know, the RoboCop. Yeah, the, the RoboCop program. <laughs> you know, I think it one, it takes an actor who are just inherently egotistical. Takes a, a lot for an actor to go, okay, I'm not going to show my face <laughs> for the entire movie. Because people, you know, um, you know 35 years later, are going to remember RoboCop for being RoboCop. They're not going to remember Peter Weller as RoboCop because his face is in the movie for 20 minutes total. Yeah. That's like that's like the the challenge almost and that's why you take somebody who's like a character actor and smaller because as you said like all the bigger names of the time just like I'm my face behind a mask the entire time? No. No. No, I'm not doing that. Verhoeven and Weller apparently had like a very tense relationship throughout. Because Weller was having a heat stroke practice to get the costume, and he uh, kept complaining about the costume, disagreed with lines of dialogue, uh, wouldn't like say the lines of dialogue at all. So the studio tried to replace him at one point with uh, Lance Henriksen from uh, Aliens and Terminator. Weller returned because they found out that the suit that they built was meant for Weller, so Lance Henriksen couldn't like fill out the suit directly. So uh, Weller agreed to be more cooperative, and then they uh, basically mended, uh, buried the hatchet. And, you know, it worked out for them. They put <laughs> they put an AC unit in the suit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like, okay, well, are you, we you won't we won't give you the heat stroke now, okay? <laughs> Man, seventies and eighties film production just entirely different animal, huh? Like hearing about. Yeah. Um, Friedkin just going off on people like this one being like, no, I'm not putting an AC unit in the suit. I don't care if you get a heat stroke. It's like today, that would be like TMZ breaking news. Peter Weller almost dies on the head of blah, 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 lawsuit. And car- like, I- I'd imagine that like in the new movie, in the remake of this, that uh, the suit was probably like a, a mixture of like CGI and like I'd imagine uh, it act- was mostly CG. Yeah, I- I- it's a lot better for actors, but I don't know. <laughs> the 80s stuff unless it's like a creature like a golem or a thanos where it's fully required the hulk right mm-hmm. i it, i don't think it looks i i think a lot of it's you it's good to combine the two together right like mm-hmm. if robocop's arm's gonna turn into three guns or whatever yeah maybe you cg that because that's just gonna look a little better than practical mm-hmm. but when it like when the entire thing is cg and you know the backdrop of the city cg it Matt paintings look a lot better than like CG backgrounds. And um, it doesn't matter how good CG gets. Like when you're trying to replicate humanity, like which is where I think like the benefit, like the new avatar is going to come. Like I thought in the trailer, like it, the CG looked fantastic. And think of the CG of Thanos, for example. Like when you're not trying to replicate humans, where the the uncanny valley thing is going to come, like the human eye can just detect fakeness instantly it, it just can because its environment is surrounded by real life human beings it is what it is i let it go but i just it takes a little bit of the life away from these movies even like when they're shooting on the sets like there's the great dick shooting scene of the the girls about to get raped and he shoots before the in between her legs or whatever she runs over to him and she goes like oh my god thank you thank you so much he goes you have just 
experience massive trauma. I am contacting the closest rape clinic to you. Have a good day. And just like, <laughs> no emotion whatsoever. <laughs> no emotion whatsoever. I feel like the one thing we haven't really touched on is, is the satire in this movie with like the, the different TV commercials and then the mm. news anchors that kind of just segue different scenes together. The newscasting, I mean, like the fact that this movie opens up with newscasters just talking about stuff. Um, I mean, that's been a trait of Verhoeven. I mean, when you see it throughout Starship Troopers and Total Recall also, but I mean, it really works here. It really hits well here where it's just like the newscasters are so gleeful and so like happy where it's just like, oh, a fire a laser hit like Santa Barbara and killed uh, two American presidents. Patients in mourning. <laughs> and it's like, you should be, it's how desensitized this audience um and like crowd has been about just like violence in general. And the fact that um that I'd buy that for a dollar, guys. The, that's the top like sitcom in this world. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> that's the top thing that everybody's watching on the TV when the co- cops go on strike. Like that's another underlying thing because the conditions are so dangerous. The cops are like, we're out. Like we're dying. Like one of us is dying a day. Like we're not going to go out in these conditions in this under staffed and without this much protection and one of the henchmen is sitting uh on the street corner and he just he's watching the show with no volume and he just takes a crowbar breaks the window and then just sits back down turns the volume up on the tv just to watch the show i i also think it's very interesting and i i think it actually works in the movie's favor that it doesn't try to like project what the future technology the future screens are going to look like it's just like now like let's just make this like really ritzy 80s stuff like all the tvs are these square boxes like morton in his apartment has like a sound system set up with four just you know big old tvs the production design didn't try to like guess what the future technology is going to be because i mean this movie is set in 2028 that's six years away from now it's not gonna oh, look God, like that's Robo- weird to think about. <laughs> it's not gonna look like Robocop. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's some stuff that they got right. I mean, like uh the fact that uh I mean you probably could have called this in the eighties. I mean, anyone probably could have, but the fact that Detroit went bankrupt in twenty thirteen and um just how like run down Detroit was and stuff like that. And labeled us like the mo- <laughs> Well, at that point Detroit was like the a lot of the jobs of the you know, the old car industry that basically kept that city afloat just started disappearing more and more and more and like i think it was already starting into that decline which is probably why it was selected for the setting because it just it felt like how is the city going to dig itself out of this hole because and they still haven't really fully recovered from losing all those jobs and that that business there but it's very funny to see like a giant corporation that is headquarters there just the city's in such distress that they own the police force. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Niemeyer, uh, the guy who wrote the script, Edward Niemeyer, he spoke um, after like the bankruptcy happened, said, we're now living in the world that I was proposing in RoboCop, how big corporations will take care of us and how they won't. So, I mean, that's really just like, you know, OCP just says they're going to be like, I'll take care of the city. They're going to eliminate crime in like 40 days or something like that because of RoboCop. And it's just corporation buzzwords uh they're they're projecting to eliminate crime within 40 days like it's it's all these buzzwords it's like how can you even possibly project that the cops seem like they kind of have a lot of full force to just kill these people because the criminals are that bad at least uh 
Kurtwood Smith's crew, Clarence's crew, like they are just ruthless. Yeah, the fact that he's like, I, I have a problem. Cops hate me, and I don't like cops. And yeah, imagine he's killed like hundreds and hundreds of cops. I think. But... <laughs> I am a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Who is the star of this movie, Tommy? Because I think it's it's interesting. Because I mean, Peter Weller is like the quote unquote, you know, the lead of the movie. But it, it's almost hard with RoboCop performance yeah, to come through because the voice has to be monotone by design. Yeah, I, it's a point that like you know, Peter Weller got replaced. Um, RoboCop Three is a different actor. Um, I forget who plays him in RoboCop Three. Uh, I'll look that up in a second. Essentially, like you know. He could have been played by someone else, unfortunately. Uh, but I think if I had to list who was like really the star, oh, it was Robert Burke who played Robocop in Robocop 3. I don't even know who that is. But anyways, uh, Kurtwood Smith, I think, uh, takes home the star of this because he really just sells it. He really just brings it. Uh, one of the things that I thought when I first saw this movie is how over the top a uh, lot of the performances are. But it's in that point where like the top probably would have been like ridiculous and just wouldn't have worked. But it's just at the right note. And Kurtwood Smith. I think um, is the epitome of that right there. His character just shoots the scenery in all the best ways, has some, the best lines, I think, and just really he's a character you just love to hate. Um, he's just so charismatic as a shitty, crazy, wacko villain. Yeah, and all you need to know about his character is that he just loves killing and he just loves being a criminal and he doesn't have any thought of ever living a straight and normal life. Like, this is what this guy's going to do until the day he dies in this movie. I would also say Miguel Ferrer is Bob yeah. Morton too. Like it, it's Kurtwood Smith strictly on screen time, but Miguel Ferrer really sells the cynicism of like corporate America and like the rivalry with Dick Jones. Cause he undermines Dick Jones to get the RoboCop approved. And there's that great scene where he's in the bathroom and you just, he's talking shit about him and you see the leg shops drop below of him of Dick Jones in the toilet and as everybody just like runs out of the bathroom and they have this great confrontation where he's like well I'm number 2 in charge you better hope your robocop doesn't fuck up because I will take you down and then he just kills him like two scenes later <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly but no uh, when I was watching this movie I mean like uh Kirby Smith and uh Miguel Ferrer were like two ones that like really stood out to me of just like a hilarious and uh Miguel Ferrer, I mean, he really sold uh hole in the satire a lot in a lot of the scenes, like we said earlier, where he's just like, Lose that arm, we don't need the arm. Come on, yeah. like, well, like I, just I, we, detached of humanity for a a, a job title, right? And getting into the executive lounge, like that's what is driving him. But he's you know, he sees a corpse and it's just like, Yeah, desecrated, it's fine, I'm building my creation mm -hmm. because of it. And he signed a waiver that he probably didn't read. I, I want to go Miguel Ferrer as a big Twin Peaks fan, but I, I, I probably have to give my cap to, to Kurtwood Smith. Uh, you know, I'm just upset we didn't get him to say dumbass. Yeah. Red, Red Foreman. I mean, <laughs> the fact that that guy can play stern dad and then wacko, like, he's a great actor. <laughs> ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Tommy, would Robocop work? as a Muppet adaptation. I almost think it could in a way. I mean, like literally all, all you, the, the violence would just be changed instead of blood pouring out. It would just be like in the scene of the 10 seconds to comply. A guy gets shot up. It would just see felt just like 
coming out of him, like stuffing, like puppet stuffing coming all the way out of him and just flying out everywhere. And then Robocop would be played by Kermit probably or um, no, no, Kurt, Sam no. the Eagle. No, no, I think I think it's Sam the Eagle initially and then Robocop is the only human or you know, not Muppet in the movie. Or he becomes not a not a puppet. Uh, he, uh, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, and I mean you have Waldorf and what what's the other old guy's name as as uh, Dick Jones and the the old man at the uh, at OCP, right? I think you have Fozzie Bear as Bob Morton. I think that'd be pretty funny, like watching him be like a total <laughs> slime ball. Kurt Smith would be like Animal, probably, or uh, uh, maybe someone else. I'm trying to think of like who's like just as wacko. Gonzo, maybe. Gon- Gonzo <laughs> would be a good one. Um, I was also thinking Rolf in a weird way, like if he just turned Rolf to a ten, you know what I mean? But because like he has yeah. that cold, calm demeanor, mm. but like revels in the schlocky violence of it all, like lives yeah. for it. And Miss Piggy's obviously uh, Liz Allen or whatever her name is. Uh... <laughs> and Lewis, but yeah, yeah, I think the audience gets who you're referring to. So, Tommy, review time. I saw this movie a week ago in theaters um, with a double feature of uh, Starship Troopers, like I said before. This was the second movie Starship Troopers played before. And even though it's 10 p.m. at night and I was a little bit tired, I was enthralled throughout. So much so that I asked Timmy immediately, do we want to cover Robocop? And uh, then we watched it again last night. So RoboCop, I think, is just an amazing movie. I don't know how it took me this long to actually watch it all the way through and really appreciate it. Um, like I said at the beginning of this pod, Verhoeven's one of my favorite directors now um, after Basic Instinct and all the other movies I've seen of his. So um, the satire hits really hard. The action really hits hard. The great, amazing villains in this. Um, and RoboCop himself is such a presence. Uh, I'm going to go second watch now. I'm going to go five out of five. I think this is just an amazing 80s action movie that doesn't get talked about in my I think this movie is almost overlooked because it just looks so cheesy but I think mm-hmm. once you dive into it you realize there's a lot more to it and it's a movie that almost shouldn't have as much depth to it as it as it does um mm-hmm. plays into the satire beautifully I think this is the best version of a movie that you could make of this and it's perfect in that way I would give this a 4.5 out of 5 I I just think that's like the highest this movie can can get in my estimation it's perfect for exactly what it is. It's not exactly there for me to give it a five out of five in terms of it's just it lacks like drama and it lasts it lacks a little more character depth. But I, I think in the terms of like what this movie actually does and accomplishes, like it it shouldn't have that. Like I think the movie would be worse off if they spent more time explaining Murphy's character, explaining Anne Lewis's character, right? Like there like there's no reason Ann Lewis is like this attached to Murphy like they were on the force together for two days and he died like I get you're upset your partner died but like there wasn't like a relationship between the two of them that formulated in that time that would make me feel like oh that's why she's so like attached to this character to to Murphy to having him rediscover himself it ends with the perfect line of the old man saying thanks son what's your name and he just looks at him he goes murphy and you have that triumphant little skull or that that like little brass section uh that i can't get enough of 4.5 out of 5 absolute mm-hmm. masterclass of a film easily one of paul Verhoeven's staples of his filmography and i couldn't recommend it enough to anybody so tommy any final thoughts 
All right. So, uh, Timmy, I have one final question for you. Uh, we covered both of these movies recently in the past couple months. Uh, who would win the fight, RoboCop or Terminator? <laughs> Get off my plane. <laughs> All right. So there, there we go. Um, go well, go play go play a fighting game where they're both characters in it. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm so... I, <laughs> oh. Well, they, they, made, they made a game of it uh, in the 90s, uh, like uh, NES and like a Game Boy game I saw. But uh, anyways... Uh, and it's ter- and, and it's Terminator. What are you nuts? I, I, I actually, I yeah, know. I think it's Terminator because Terminator. It's not even. Cl- it's not even close. Terminator just like stabs him, like just shoots him repeatedly, gets in close and stabs him. Yeah. Well, I mean, like Terminator was able to take out a precinct full of cops, and RoboCop almost died because of precinct full of cops. So, um, there you go. But anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this was a great episode. Uh. You can follow us on social media at Pod. We're on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And leave us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. really helps us out. And thank you guys for listening. We're still figuring out our September schedule, but we're going to have a great episode for you next week. We'll see you then.